0: Well, hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. In today's episode, you'll hear some excerpts from a conversation titled, What is 1KH? Where Jeremy discusses the big picture vision of 1000 Houses how we're carrying out that vision, and how you and your household can get involved. If this conversation sparks any curiosity or questions, and you'd like to learn more, you can visit our website at 1kh.org and reach out to us through our contact page. Let's jump into
1: today's episode. Awesome. All right, guys, I want to welcome you once again uh, to our What is 1KH webinar, so we're here uh and i love just to say it this way right off the bat we're here to ask you or invite you to join in our conspiracy that might sound very nefarious but it's not uh, i really uh, agree with ryan holiday here about the nature of conspiracies he says perhaps we have too few conspiracies not too many too little scheming rather than too much what would happen if more people took up plotting coordinating how to eliminate what they believe are negative forces and obstacles and tried to wield power in an attempt to change the world. We could almost always use more boldness and less complacency. So a huge part of this is calling people out of complacency. And that requires us to work together, to have a vision and to actually, to actually work together in conspiring how to make the world a better place. And one of the questions that has been, we've wrestled with at 1KH is who is conspiring for the home? There are massive organizations that are trying to make uh, world change in lots of ways. Some very positive, some not so positive. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of institutions, a lot of ideas, a lot of visions that are operating. But there really isn't a lot that that really are centering on the home. There's, I think, a, a fundamental reason, and that is that there isn't. It's not obvious how you can do things that uh, that build up houses in a way that that maybe. Um, Uh, builds up other institutions. Oftentimes the way that you build up your thing, your vision, your institution is you pull resources away from the house and into what you're doing. And so that, that, that movement has been going on um, in very uh, continuous fashion in the kingdom as well. And so we're here to sort of uh, push things back into the house, so to speak. So we want to Try to, we, we believe that the household is a really important part of the kingdom and that has, it has been underserved and, and especially under envisioned about what God's intention for the household is. So our mission at 1000 Houses is to activate a thousand households in your city. And so we, we are looking at our city of Cincinnati and we're very interested in how God's moving here. Um, 1000 Houses, really 1KH, the, the word came from the vision of raising up a thousand disciple-making households in our city of Cincinnati, and then we want to reach other cities and see these kind of multiplying movements happen elsewhere. So that's really what we're trying to do. And when we we actually break down like what this looks like, what is what does it look like for a household to really be activated? There's actually three very different areas that we want to encourage households to be active in: the mission of disciple-making, the mission of being on mission, in other words, doing evangelistic and outreach work to bring new people into the kingdom of God who are not in relationship with God. And then we want to create households as hubs for kingdom communities. These are the three different efforts. Now there's a lot of overlap between these three, but there are, uh, but all three are important. And this requires a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of training, uh, because we have blueprints for doing all three of these things. But how many of those blueprints are centered on the household in the home, the home being a disciple making ministry, the, the home being an outreach, missions base the home being the hub or the community now that that third one we've seen a lot more lately Um, a lot of churches have done a good job of trying to activate households to become hubs for community Um, however there are ways that we believe that that the family is uniquely structured to do this in a way that the family functions as a team in that community process and that's probably one of the unique things and so um, we'll talk about and we can get into the details of any of these three but if you're just trying to break down what 1KH does, we coach people in these three areas. We coach households to become disciple-making teams, mission bases, and hubs for kingdom community. Now, this is, this is the, the this picture or the vision that really drives um, our efforts. What would happen in a city where the disciple-making households outnumbered the spiritual orphans? We believe that there are tons of spiritual orphans in the city. These are people coming to faith. And their experience of the kingdom of God is not a house-centered uh, experience the way that you see in the book of Acts. So in other words, that they really experience the kingdom in and through institutions. Um, and we believe that that there's a lot of good that happens in that in that way. That there, there are a lot of things that larger institutions or efforts of many households coordinating together, there are a lot of good things we can do. But there is a unique way um, of the kingdom that, that really is centered on the household. Jesus's first vision of the of this coming church that he was going to um, that he was going to bring onto the earth the first time he kind of gave us a picture of that was in Mark ten when um, after the rich young ruler if you guys know that story left Jesus the disciples said we've given given up everything to follow you Jesus says well anyone who's given up um, home or you know mothers and brothers and houses will not fail to receive a hundred times more mothers and brothers and sisters and houses and fields and with those persecutions and in the age to come eternal life in other words. Um, The the kingdom, when it gets increasingly close to its maturity, it looks like a family. And so we believe that the family has a unique opportunity in the kingdom of God to make disciples in a holistic way where people are nurtured and loved. And that this has really been lost, again, because no one's conspiring to make this happen. And that's why we started 1000 Houses. Okay, so we believe that as you look at like the most underutilized resource maybe in the kingdom are households. How many households are really active in this way? We believe that 99%, at least in the west, of households are sitting on the bench. That doesn't mean individuals are sitting on the bench. Many individuals are activated in lots of different ministries and in lots of different churches, but their household, their family team as a team is not activated. All the things that they're doing, their their own table um is not active in in the in the functioning and the expansion of the kingdom of God. Um there are some, but this is fairly rare, and we believe the reason is that people don't don't know how. And so um, we really want to talk through these two these two possible reasons. There's, there's some people do have a a want to problem. Like there's a lot of people like, look, I do not want uh, the the ministry of the kingdom to breach uh, the front door of my house. I like to do that outside. Of my house, um, we want to be very private in the inside of the doors of our house, and so I, I don't really have any desire to see our house being used in this dynamic fashion for the kingdom. Although I'm very willing to uh, to do that outside the house. So there are people they just don't want to do this. I, I don't think that's the primary problem, though. I don't hear that from a lot of really committed disciples. What I hear is I don't I don't know how to do this. Like if I were to turn. My household into a mission space. I don't really see how to how to make that happen. So I believe that the primary thing we have is a how to problem, and so this I just don't know how to do these things through the home. That is the primary issue that we're trying to work on, and a lot of what we you'll see us do when we face this kind of blueprint problem is that we believe that the that we don't need to innovate our way to solutions. There are some things that we do need to take in consideration in terms of Western culture and. But a lot of the, the answers to the how-to problem actually exist in the past. And we are, we love this verse, Jeremiah 6:16. 6, it says, This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Um, and so oftentimes when you've lost the the path, um, you can find a lot of clues, and sometimes the you know, many of the elements that 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 are causing us not to have. Uh, this ability in in the past because we've decided to go other directions Um, and these a lot of these things have already been figured out and so a lot of what we we talk about our ancient rhythms ancient practices learning you know going back to the book of acts really understanding what was in jesus's heart in the gospels when it comes to how to do and how to think about the household and the church okay so first what are we aiming at i love this picture i'm going to give you guys this because i always have to have a little uh, lord of the rings reference so please forgive me if you're not a geek like me but um, there's a really really cool picture in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. One of the things I feel like Lord, that if I could say the one, uh, the biggest impact Tolkien has had on me it, his, it is his vision of home. One of the things that he did in his trilogy was that he um, gave us the, a picture of the perfect house. And this is what fantasy writers that are really gifted can give us kind of archetypal pictures. These aren't realistic; they're fantasy, but because they're they're so uh, intense. Um, and they've elevated so many elements beyond even rec- almost like anything that's realistic. We can kind of see things in those uh, examples that really are beautiful. And so Rivendell, this house, I'll, this quote uh, from from Tolkien says, "Rivendell, the house of Elrond was perfect whether you like food or sleep or work or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking best, nor a pleasant mixture of them all. Evil things did not come into that valley." And one of the things I've always been really fascinated by about the picture of Rivendell is that this house um, stood on the border, uh, the the border between the the wild and kind of the the more civilized uh, area of of Tolkien's Middle Earth. And so the idea was that Rivendell was the last what Tolkien called the last homely house. So this was the last place that you would go right before you were launched into your mission, and then once you got exhausted from mission and beat up. This would be the first place that you would encounter and come back and get refreshed and renewed. And man, that's a beautiful picture of the house. What is the house there for? It's it needs to be perched on the edge of where the kingdom of God is expanding, launching a mission out into uh, where people where the where the kingdom is expanding, and then bringing people back into renewal as they're coming back um, into into a place of peace and um, and a place of abundance. Um, and, I, and that's why I love this picture of, of the kingdom is like a house and these things of food and sleep and work and storytelling and singing and sitting and thinking and all the mixtures that come in. That, that is a beautiful picture and that's kind of what we believe God's designed the household to be. And this is one of the reasons why it's such a powerful example of the kingdom. So many people, so many experiences around a table um, really allow people to taste and and really have a visceral experience of the kingdom of God. Now. This is, we believe, uh, not just a fantasy, but is reality. This is how God designed houses and families uh, to be. Um, We were given a mission in Genesis 1.28. The first family, the first time families even mentioned in the Bible, is really in Genesis 1 when God created the first man and woman and then says to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule. And so this process of first becoming a fruitful family, multiplying the goodness in your family, um, beginning to uh, expand those boundaries, feeling the earth and ruling these are the basic things that a family is, is being given um these are the assignments we're being given to do. Um, now when we hear that you're like, oh we're gonna rule we're gonna like subdue um the snapshot of most western families looks a little bit more like this uh, from Lord of the Rings and I just saw this meme somewhere how I feel after putting the kids to bed. so this is uh, this is we're exhausted we're like really like we're gonna do this through our house like how can we possibly pull that off? Um, A lot of families are burnt out, adding more things into the household does not feel like a realistic or sustainable idea. And so I want to talk a little bit about how to deal with this, because this was what we ran into over years of doing house church planting. Um, People got burnt out very quickly. And so we're very careful about this topic. Uh, We want to be, we want to be equipping people, but we also want to be very, very realistic about the challenge of doing these kinds of uh, these kinds of efforts through the household in, in today's kind of Western world. And so I'm going to give you guys, um, kind of a a snapshot of, of four moves. And we oftentimes see people make these moves, not always in this exact order, but the first move I think is important for it to happen first. And that is we have to see people move from Western families to households. A household is different. So in the, in the book of acts and in the rest of the new Testament, this word oikos comes up over and over again, when it's referring to individual local churches. the oikos was a very well-known part of the Roman and Jewish world in the first century. And these were households that often had between 15 and 30 people. Um, They were dynamic. They were multi-generational. They had an economic engine at the middle of them. There were lots of laws and responsibilities given directly to the household. And it was expected that everyone in the society would be a part of an oikos or part of a household. And so when the kingdom of God erupted in Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit came and filled people, what occurred, and we read that at the end of Acts 2, was that the the kingdom really moved along the lines of these households because these households, uh, were not just economic engines. They weren't, they weren't just like a nuclear families. They were also the hub of the spiritual life of most people. And so the Sabbath, especially in Jewish households, you had lots and lots of, of their faith, uh, life was happening in and through the household. Now today that's really tough because most people, um, we experience a lot or, um, maybe even primary the primary way that we experience uh, our faith, especially when it comes to having or experiencing our faith with others is really not in houses. It's inside of these larger institutions. And so when people want to move from Western family to household, we started a whole organization called Family Teams to help people make that transition. Um, we talk about the biblical blueprint of family as a multi-generational team on mission. And a lot of you guys are probably familiar with Family Teams. If you're not, you can check it out. We've got lots of resources there. We've written books about this. This is a really important part of us to us because um, what we discovered back in 2006, 2007, we planted um, about four or five house churches and one by one, they began to burn out. And in that process, we began to realize that you cannot put the responsibilities of mission, community, disciple making on a Western family and a Western family I'm defining as really um, a, a group of individuals. They don't know how to work as a team. There's no there's no sense of cohesion or team that they've ever really experienced as a family. They kind of come back as a family to in that house to receive nurturing and to kind of make relational connections. And then they all really go out into the individual lives. But there's not a lot that they do as a team or together. And so, if you don't have that experience, but you just start to dump responsibilities on this this entity that's not used to working together, that that doesn't even think of itself as a team, that can burn people out very quickly. And so, we want to see people make that transition first, if they haven't already had that paradigm shift. We encourage you guys to check that out. Um, but we've 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 seen now hundreds, probably thousands of of Western families make this transition, and they really begin to think like households. Um, and so, that's when we want to talk about these other moves. So, I'll talk about these uh, the three. Other moves that 1KH is really involved in, and we've got tools for each of these. So the move from the household to the missions base. So imagine a household that's like, okay, we're we, you know, we think of ourselves like a team. We like to do things together. You know, our marriage is isn't a you know a healthy place, but we we feel like we live in a Christian bubble. Like we don't really know very many non-believers. Um, we we aren't seeing people come to faith um, through the efforts of our family and through our household. Um, what do we do about that? And so we have a coaching intensive called Made for Mission. It takes uh, probably an average of six to eight months to go through a Made for Mission. And in that process, people begin to uh, create the kinds of rhythms and and they, and they the kinds of perspectives that cause them to really think of themselves as a missionary um, in their local context, in their neighborhood, at their work, those kinds of things. There are particular things that people need to be equipped in. And we like to do that, again, through the household, to think about the household as kind of the base through which that that happens. So that's the coaching that we do uh, as people make the move from household to missions base. Um, the next move is from fruitfulness. So that again, we're called in Genesis 1, uh, 26 to become fruitful, then to multiply. And we believe that when Jesus said in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, um, this was just a recapitulation of our original mission in Genesis 1. Um, Jesus tells, tells the disciples basically be fruitful and multiply, like become Followers of me, obey me, and then teach others to also obey. Um, and so this multiplication that would will result in the rulership of Jesus as pe- more and more people come under his lordship, this is the process of disciple-making that we want to see households engage in. So we want to see people make a move from fruitfulness to multiplication. Now, there are a lot of people that don't have a blueprint for how to make a disciple, especially um, in and through the household and as a team and u- utilizing those opportunities. And so we've created a, a, a coaching intensive called a Life on Life Discipleship and so that is a process where we walk you through a particular blueprint for how to make disciples. And we know that this is a problem because if you ask most believers, tell me who you've discipled and who's discipled you, um, a lot of people have a hard time um, answering those two questions. And that's very bizarre, given the fact that Jesus was very clear in Matthew 28, that's the mission. And so we talk about why that's so difficult in our culture, but there are ways of overcoming it. And a household is a wonderful tool in the process of, of doing that. So that's another move. And then the final move we want to be encouraging people to make through 1KH is from isolation to community. How can your home be the the hub for a kingdom community? Um, and so we have a coaching intensive called a house for community. And so that's that's where we walk people through what kinds of rhythms, what kinds of um, initiatives, and then what kinds of culture um, do you need to create in the household to become a hub for community? And people sometimes do this as an expression of a local church, and sometimes people do this as the beginning and to launch a multiplying house church. Um, either of those are fine. There are a lot of churches and church umbrellas that are getting excited about house groups that are the hub for a community. And so we wanna encourage that and people that are part of those kind of churches really um, gain a lot from being in par- a part of this intensive. Um, but for, for those who are really looking to see um, a house church uh, begin in a multiplying house church uh, movement come out of their household, and um, that's also a great tool to use. Um, and we have both kinds of people in our coaching intensives um, and, and a house for community. And so the question we always ask people to decide like which one of these moves they're they're going to make is just to really understand the season your, your family's in. Because we don't want to be heaping um, obligations on people or giant tasks on people that they're not called by the Holy Spirit to take on in the season they're in. Um, and so we want to be really sensitive to what God's saying to you, how the Holy Spirit's leading you in your household. And so we just want to say, look, if there's something stirring in your heart in any of those four areas, um, then we want to encourage you to take that step and be obedient, but don't uh, push yourself uh, at a speed or in, in a way that is not, a, is not consistent with what God's calling you to do. Um, our, our expectation is that those four moves, um, are th- they're going to take a lot of time for people to, to make those, those moves. Our vision is very long-term um, we see 10, 20 years out um, and in the process of households slowly making each of these moves one at a time in a sustainable way, as God calls them to do it. Um, and not in a way that that injures their family or hurts their relationships. Um, we want that to happen in that way. And so that's very important to us, this be gospel motivated. But we do believe that in the long haul, as people see this vision and start to take practical um, and consistent steps towards it, then they will begin to see more and more of these kinds of things emerge in their in their own household. But you can only take on um, really what you have the bandwidth for and so um, we like to tell people look it's important to know that if you're going to become a mission space that's probably you know a five to ten hour a week kind of uh, thing that's going to happen in your household so do you have the bandwidth for that if god's calling you to do that we want it we want you to step up into that similar with disciple making that's another you know five or ten hour a week probably the most intense of the four moves um, in terms of time and bandwidth is that is the commitment to become a hub for a community. Um, And so we've seen people make that decision, um, but that's another uh, large endeavor. So again, we wanna be really careful with people. And if you can't do all three, please don't let that discourage you. Um, A big part of our coaching is to help people over time, free up more and more bandwidth as God begins to bless what they're doing. But we really want you to think about which one of these. Don't take 10 steps, take one step um, because that'll be sustainable. But we want you to see the big picture um, of what could happen if we saw families as they're growing in maturity um, become uh, able to do all of all of these kinds of things, we see more and more households like that that can make disciples that can be on mission and see new believers come in uh, through their household and can be a hub for a community. So the way that we do this is through coaching. You guys, the number one thing you need if you're going to try to do any of these things we're describing is a coach. You need a coach. Coaches are critical because these steps are not are not things that people are familiar with. We did not grow up with these blueprints. I don't know anybody who's really uh, grown up in a situation in which they were doing all these things through their household. So everything is counterintuitive. Uh, and therefore um, it's it's like trying to ask everyone to reinvent the wheel is just um, not realistic. Uh, and so what we do is we, we have for each of our three coaching intensives, um, we provide content, coaching, and community. And those are really the three things you need to make a big shift like this. And so the content is on video and this is all done at your pace. If you want to take five years to go through Made for Mission or Life on Life, fine, that's great. Um, Keep the momentum going and and we will take steps along the way, but it needs to be at your pace. Um, And as long as you're doing it in a sustainable way, you're going to get to the end and this is going to be um, really effective for you and your household. Um, But we want you to be able to do that. And the way that we do that is we have two coaching calls every month for each of these. And so you just pick one of those. Um, and so, um, once every two weeks, you jump on a coaching call. And so, we ask you, you know, um, for the wins that you've had that week, we ask what kind of content you've been going through and kind of assignments from the from the uh, content that you've you've been working on. Um, and then, you know, we we spend some time just um, discussing the kinds of maybe issues that could be popping up as you do that and just coaching you and walking you through how to overcome obstacles and things like that. And that's done in the context of not just, you know, people like Joe and I who are a part of coaching, but also other people in the group who might be a few steps ahead and have learned. And I learned tons from our participants um, in these coaching calls myself. And so this is a it's really a community coaching model. And then we we have WhatsApp groups for each of those coaching calls. And so we're always interacting in those places to encourage each other, to give insights, to ask questions. Um, so there's always a sense that you're never alone in this process, that you're doing this with others um, and that you're making progress. And so that's that's our model. It's working very well. I was just t- talking to Joe about this, this this last set of calls that we did, because um, I was very sick for a couple of weeks and then I got back on the calls. And um, I was just so encouraged by how much progress um, in all three of our, all three of these, um, these different intensives people were making, um, and it's it just, this is a really good system uh, for, for doing. For solving that how-to problem, um, and that's really I've been fixated on trying to help, help households solve that how-to problem for, for many years. And when I came to this kind of coaching model, where you put the content online, it's kind of what you know is is, is popular in, in education right now. It's called flip the classroom. It used to be that that when you would go to a class, you would be taught, and then you go do homework um, on your own. And really, this flips that that idea. You do the content on your own because that's easy to deliver via video and then when we come together we we really get a lot of work done like we do the coaching as a group Um, i so vastly prefer um, that and so i'm so grateful that um, the existence of online video and zoom makes this kind of learning possible and man we need this kind of learning in the kingdom of god so wherever you're at in the world you can participate in this model in the way that we've got it designed a lot of us are here in Cincinnati, but we have increasing numbers of people that are um, in other parts of the country and, uh, and elsewhere. So that's our coaching model. If you guys have questions, you want to dive into any of those things, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, the whole idea of one cage, 1,000 houses is what would happen if we had 1,000 Rivendell's in a city, like places where there was all this mission happening. Um, you know, One, two, or all three of those those elements of mission, disciple making, and community happening. So joining 1KH is the journey to mission, community, and discipleship in and through the home. Just want to make that like super clear. That's what we're we're here to do. Um, And we use coaching uh, to make that happen. Content coaching and community through those different intensives. Okay. So if you're excited to jump in, um, some of you are already part. um, I just want to give you guys kind of the the steps. Um, The first thing we'd encourage you to do is map your pathway. So uh, what is realistic for you to do? in this next season. What what is the Lord again calling you? Um and so for some people and it, and you know it's like okay, we're going to start with disciple making, then we're going to you know really hone in on those skills. Then we're going to move to mission and we're going to become more and more outreach oriented as we're continuing to make disciples and then we're going to as as those disciples are being made and as people are coming into the kingdom, we're going to begin to gather them as in a, in a hub um in and through our household for for community. That's one pathway. Other people kind of do it a different direction. They, they might start with mission and then move from that to discipleship to community. We have other people that already have a really vibrant community that that they're gathering with. And so they want to start with community and then begin to move that community into mission and then begin to move their missional community into disciple making. Um, you know, so these things overlap, like I said, but we, did, we do find it really valuable to take them one step at a time, because again, each one of these is such a, a large effort, not just in trying to create the rhythms that are needed for that particular effort, but also because we have to relearn so much because we're not doing this through the household. So to realistically do this sustainably, we like to separate those. The other reason we like to separate them is that some people already have a great blueprint for one or two of these. And so they only need one of these from 1KH and we think that's awesome. So if you're a part of a vibrant, you know, a uh, house group ministry and you feel like community is awesome, but man, we're not on mission, then made for mission is really probably, you know, the pathway for you. Um, and, and maybe you're like, we also need disciple making. So maybe there's only two steps to the pathway that you might engage 1KH. Uh, and, and we're very happy um, in any of those scenarios. Um, and so whatever you feel like, again, the Lord's calling you to do. Um, we also wanna encourage you guys, and particularly for those of you who have who have been in coaching, our coaching is free. Um, um, we don't charge for coaching at 1KH. It's a very intensive process for us to pull off. And so if you wanna resource 1KH, we just encourage people, we're a nonprofit, and so you can um, you can give to 1KH, and there's a pathway in our, our website. We encourage people though to, before they give to experience the coaching intensive. So we we prefer to give first and to really pour ourselves out to to make to help you get results before you begin to donate to 1,000 houses. And so if you aren't a part of a coaching intensive, we actually prefer for you to join a coaching intensive and experience it. Um, that Then, as that that is really bearing fruit in your life and in your family, we encourage you to to um, to resource and to to return some of that blessing to 1K. So we can do this for more families. And then we'd love for you guys to spread the word. Like we we have a lot of bandwidth. One one of the massive advantages of this kind of coaching model, um, and it's because it's not one on one coaching. Um, it's group coaching. Is that we have a we we can scale this, um, and so we have a lot of uh, seats available in our coaching um, intensives. And then as those multiply, we're going to be recruiting and training new coaches. And so our goal is to basically make this whatever size it needs to be. Um, however, God wants to breathe on one KH. Uh, we just want to be as big or as small as he wants us to be, but we have bandwidth. So um, if you want to, you can see this into a whole network of people. Um, we've, we've talked to pastors who want like their, you know, lots of people in their church to go through life on life discipleship. So if that's there. If that's their path for that their church and we can you know bless them in that way, great. Like whatever this looks like, uh, we'd encourage you guys to to invite others. So that gives you guys hopefully the big picture. I know that's a ton. Boom, there it is. Um, and uh, and so, but a big part of this webinar is we want um, to interact with you guys. And so I hope that this stirred up some questions. Um, and you know, there's different kinds of questions you might be interested in asking. The first one that I think you guys uh, would really encourage you guys to to ask—is anything that comes to mind that would feel like an obstacle instead of just saying, "Oh, that feels like a deal breaker." You know, ask us. We you know we, we'd love to talk to you about anything that feels like, uh, or just like a, a major hurdle. So, what kind of questions do y'all have? We'll
2: hang out and and uh, for a bit and, uh, and talk about this. Yeah, Todd, go ahead. I just I just want to give a, a testimony because I, I I've been through. We just just completed the Made for Mission. Uh, and and it, it, was, it took me actually 10 months and i love the fact we can do it you can do it on your own pace and i really encourage people to take the time to, to go through it but just a real quick testimony um we've been doing house church my wife and i for probably 16 years and one of the things we did not really do well as, as a group uh, uh is is the is the outreach part just be face that we really were good discipline and loving on one another, horrible, uh, at, at, really outreach. And I just can say the content is phenomenal. It's biblical. It's very practical. And Jeremy and Joe, I love that. It. It's also, it's, it's not just theory. You're, you guys are living it and have lived it. And then the coaching just really brings it home and you share, shares. So I just wanted to really say, uh, it has been phenomenal. And, uh, just as an example, someone in our family in our group, uh, in our house church family today is having a a uh, cul-de-sac party with eight other people on their in the subdivision. Uh, they actually had one recently, and then someone else has reciprocated and is hosting it today. Uh, and so you know, that that's happening. It's not just that we went through it, but it's actually having impacting, you know, other people in our in our community about reaching out to their neighbors. And so. I just wanted to share that jeremy and joe that Thank you really give a plug for for it yeah it's
1: so encouraging and i i feel similarly i i this was the area that i struggle with the most as well todd and i was you know we went through a lot of coaching for for getting on a mission um and it, it's been awesome there are there are real pathways for mission um and but a lot of a lot of this is you know challenging in this day and age and so but it can be done and it can be done effectively so yeah we're really excited about that thanks so much for sharing yeah brad
0: can you give a little more um hints about like uh, the type of things you're doing in that in that program the, the May for mission one specifically like what would we be doing over the course of let's say it was 10 months like todd
1: yeah joe you want to you want to share a little bit about that
0: yeah <clears throat> well i think i think for all these uh all three coaching intensives i think what i because i'm going through two of them right now myself um we always start very much with what what is the holy spirit leading you to do so particularly in the made for mission we have a whole module there's probably for each of these there's probably five to seven modules and in the made for mission one, we start with identity is the first module so really trying to wrestle with this was something i really struggle with like do I feel like i'm sent do I feel like i am an ambassador at what level do I see my identity as a missionary and so before we say hey start inviting this many people over to your house or put in three rhythms a week to reach your neighbors it's very much hold on we're starting from a very you know a very important you know topic which is do I believe that I'm sent um, and then along with that the next module would be um you know, Warfare is what the module is called. And it's how do we engage with what the Holy Spirit's already doing instead of saying, all right, I'm excited to reach my neighbors. Um, Here I go. Um, It's very much what are your prayer rhythms? How are you making sure that you don't get ahead of the Lord? How are you partnering with what he's already doing in your context? And then from there, you're finding your field. So we talk about different types of fields. We say that finding your field is as easy as pies. So is it, you know, P is proximity, I is your interests, uh, E is your shared experiences, and then S is kind of more of a service calling. Um, So it's very much, okay, am I called to my neighbors? Am I called to my workplace and really spending? And so those first three modules are all really before you're doing anything super practical. But then the last I'd say, you know, about two, two thirds are okay. Now that we know that we are sent and we believe that at a deep level, now that we are, you know, we have some prayer rhythms and strategies and we're not forsaking intimacy with the Lord and following his direction. And now that we know what field he's calling us to now, it's really addressing the how, and that's where, um, that's where things really start to take off. So we're starting from a really healthy place. And I think in each of those, those three intensives, we spend a lot of time making sure we're laying a biblical, um foundation um in that sense so yeah so then yeah. the last bit you're talking about what does it look like to, to have people over how do we do this in a sustainable way what are some strategies that work based on the field that we're leaning into so
1: yeah uh, to just practically you guys um all these courses just um the next step if you're like oh that sounds like something i might want or I, even if you have more questions you on the website to that particular coaching intensive, there's like I said, there's three. You fill out an application, and then you have a call with Joe to just kind of answer even more questions, <clears throat> just talk through what's involved. And so we we like to our onboarding process is really important to us to make sure that everyone really understands what they're getting into before you you dive in with both feet. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the process. Uh, at any point, you guys can do that. Great. Other questions.
0: I've got a question, um, from here in, in Dallas. Uh, I'm not sure what Ohio is like in terms of just the faith community and churches there, but being in Dallas, obviously we're, we're, um, I'm not familiar with kind of a house church movement or haven't grown up in that before. Like, is this compatible with being a member at a, at a local body or you just kind of pick and choose where you feel like the Lord's leading you or or what?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah. So, Definitely, um, as long as the church that you're a part of um, values the, um, the ministry in and through the home. If there's a lot of resistance to that, I think that could be an issue. But if they're like, yeah, we, we would love that. We'd love to see ministry happen in through the home. Um, that's great. And so um, Made for Mission is definitely not a house church. Uh, it's like, how does your household function as a missions base to reach your neighborhood or, or the, the field that you're a part of? Um, and the life on Life discipleship is also not not specific to a house church at all. It's very much um, a process through which you would cause people to grow maturity and appren- take on apprentices and train them. Housework community can be used as either a community group or a house church. So that, that's the only one where there's there is a potential to, to actually be a house church. And so I would say something like maybe half the people in House for community are doing it as a, as the as the beginning of a launch of a house church, and half the people are doing it as an expression of their ministry in a local church, the local traditional church. Um, and so there's really not a lot of tension. Nobody's you know feeling like oh I have to become a house church. Um, people that are in there oftentimes are very happy with their lo- local church, but feel like they really they aren't getting equipped maybe for um, doing that in and through the home or as a family team. And so that that's kind of where they are getting that that kind of equipping from us. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. Great questions, guys, anything else we could uh, hit or any other comments or I'd love to hear anything else that's stirring up for you guys.
0: It sounded like there's also some, um, what do you call it, peer or interact, community interaction with the other folks in in the cohorts. Is there, you start to see some community there?
1: Yes, very much. And that's, that's, you know, some of the fun, the most fun uh, that we have is, is the kind of encouragement that happens across, you know, it's not, the coaching is really there to, you know, help solve high level problems. But mo- much of what we're doing is just facilitating a lot of interaction as we, you know, collectively try to encourage and help each other. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is a lot of, and I don't know, Joe, if you want to say anything else about that, but that's a big part of what we do.
0: Yeah. This is important too. Like when you, a lot of these coaching groups that you see, like you go through the content as a cohort. And so everybody's going through it at the same pace. But one thing that has been cool about these calls and the way that we've designed it is that you may be on a call with four or five other couples and it might be your first call. You're on the first module, first video, um, but you're on, on the call with somebody that has been at this for four months and they're able to, sp- it, it ends up becoming, you're getting feedback from your coach, but you're, it's also very much an encouraging roundtable discussion from practitioners. Like that's, that's, it's money. It's like, okay, we are all learning. We are all pouring out, um, sharing any wins that we've had. Um, so that's been, that's actually been really fun. Yeah.
1: Anyway. And we, we learned from the people who coached us how to coach, <laughs> um, that this, this is actually like this innovation is actually really cool. Um, cause we don't, we don't wait until a whole, a whole cohort kind of develops and then launch a cohort that stays together. It's an evergreen coaching model in which people can jump in anytime and go at their own pace. So you're not, cause the other problem with cohorts, isn't just that you can only launch once or twice a year, but the other problem is that everyone has to kind of stay together. And that that sometimes isn't really helpful in this arena. And what our coaches told us, and what we experienced in their coaching, is that it's actually really, it's really fun to be in a in a in a group where people are are at different places. And part of it is when it's it's really amazing when somebody's been, for example, made for a mission for let's say you know seven or eight months, and they they went through the you know they got their prayer strategy, and then a you know somebody who's been in part of it for three weeks is sharing their prayer strategy. And it really revives, you know, and reminds those people who are a part of, have been a part of it for the last few years or for the, for longer. um, Oh yeah. Like, you know, that's a great idea. And we need, we may need to go back and update because you know, these things are um, things that need to be worked on, on a, on a kind of a continual basis and tweaked over time. And so that, that allows for that. So we we've, we've really seen, um, in, uh, in the way that the group, you know, groups versus, you know, evergreen groups versus cohorts. It's, it's been a really good um, experience for, for people. This is great guys. Any other, any other questions or anything else stirring up that'd be helpful to talk about?
2: I was just going to okay. say, I think it's incredible what you do. And I've heard a lot from Bill Poo, and Hannah, but I just want to thank you for this today. I've learned a lot and I'm excited to explore the program. So just want to Sweet. say thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks Sophia for sharing that.
0: Yeah. So I was just going to say like, um, you know, Caitlin and I, my wife, we're, we are, we have three little kids and a lot of people asking these questions are, have little kids and all three of these can, can feel really intimidating. And so just as apart from working with 1KH and, and working on some of this with Jeremy, I, we've just been very blessed. Like the two things that I always say, if you do a call with me, you always hear me say like, there's, this has instilled a lot of hope in us. We've got a lot of baggage with leading different ministry efforts. um, And this has instilled a lot of hope in us. Um, And the second piece that I would just say is that there are ways to do mission, community, and discipleship in ways that are sustainable and that don't crush your family. And that is at like the core of why I am so excited about helping families because, um, and I'm so grateful that you guys hopped on because it is, it can feel very, very heavy. And that's another part of the evergreen dynamic is we want to be really sensitive to where your family's at. So if you're moving or you're about to have a baby, um, we want to be really sensitive to that, like take, take six weeks, two months off. Um, and we really want to be be a support to your household. So. Yes, so that's, my, that's my little plug. That's how it's benefited us. So.
1: Also to tie your question, um, I, I, you know, Joe and I were just talking about, you know, how to get together. We, we do a few different kinds of gatherings here in Cincinnati to try to network with one another. Um, and uh, and so we are talking about potentially doing maybe one a quarter. I mean, some of you guys have been a part of some of the other ones we've done. But but, you know, we're the stage we're at as a as a city um, you know, Joe and I are talking about, okay, like a, a summer, fall, winter, spring gathering where each one's a little bit unique, but also fun and, you know, d- different has a little different, different vibe, maybe even a different part of the city. Um, and so we're, we're kind of brainstorming right now because we've tried a bunch of things. We've done a lot of city gatherings, but, um, yeah, we're excited to figure that out. And then for those of you guys, you know, in other cities, you know, if, if things, if, if, larger, if, you know, you get, you get kind of a cluster of families that are interested in this, then, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to you know, help you guys think about how to do that in your cities. Um, you know, and it is really fun to network in person with, with people. Um, our, our goal is to try to do probably um, this webinar, maybe every three months or so. And so if you guys have other people that you want to introduce to 1KH, um, we want to, this is, we think this is a really efficient and kind of fun way to connect with people that are, you know, and we're, you know, this is a different kind of thing. Like it's like people are like, what? I mean, it's a really good question. What what is this? Like it's not, it's not young life. We know what that is. It's not like a traditional church. You know, we're not familiar with um this kind of a kind of a coaching ministry of this kind. And so we just want to um be able to have the time to lay out, you know, who we are, what we do, what our mission is. Um so again, our mission is to activate households to disciple the city. Um, and we believe that that, that that's kind of the hidden and under under. A valued resource of the kingdom. And so we're excited to kind of jump in here and fill uh, some of that space and try to help activate these households. And so, yeah, I um, encourage you guys, you guys, other, other questions or anything else comes up, uh, we'd love to talk to you um, and, and follow up with you and answer questions and dialogue about your situation
0: thanks for listening to this episode. If this conversation stirred something in you and you and your family are sensing a calling or a pull to maybe go down this path of activating your household for the kingdom, we'd love to be a resource to you as you explore that path. So if that's you, we want to invite you to check out our coaching intensives and some of our other resources by visiting 1kh.org. We'll see you for the next episode.